Welcome back to another Caring Support Podcast. This week, we have the lovely Natasha Halliday, and this woman is really amazing. She's in the Oshawa area in Ontario. We really love everything she's doing. It's making a big difference in, in things related to uh, people's mental health, etc. So without stealing any of that thunder, um, it, maybe you could introduce yourself, Natasha. That would be wonderful. Thank you. So as you said, I'm Natasha Halliday. Um, I'm a registered social worker. Uh, I have a private practice, so I see individuals for therapy um, ages 14 and up, and I support people with different mental health issues, life stress. Um, you know, not everybody seeks therapy because they've been diagnosed with something. Sometimes people are just having difficulty navigating things in their life. They're looking for support or they recognize they're not quite themselves. And they're thinking, I don't want this to get worse. And I don't want to get to the point where I have a, a mental health concern. So they're trying to maybe do some prevention um, support. Uh, so I see individuals kind of with that kind of range, depression, anxiety, life stress, life transitions, you know, moving out of university into the workplace, retiring, you know, maybe after a divorce, maybe contemplating a divorce, like any kind of thing that comes up where somebody is, you know, thinking, I may not be able to figure this all out on my own. Right. No, that's awesome. Thank you. So what would you say is your favorite part about being a social worker slash registered, you know, psychotherapist? Oh, that's easy. It's people. I just love people. <laughs> and it's it's fascinating because my role is to support people where they may be having struggles, but I still have so many beautiful moments where my clients offer sunshine in my life. They say something that is just wonderful or just even being able to connect with people and seeing the resilience they have, the the perspectives they have, the the ways they still try to find joy in the midst of some really darker or, or difficult moments. I mean, I think that's a blessing to me as well. Wow, that's that's awesome. And that's I, I, I love that. I know, you know, caring support is is community oriented platform, for instance, about connecting people. And it's about that interaction because, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, let's say the, the recruitment and hiring process becomes so regimented and all about, you know, what the facts are and your education, what's on the resume, black and white. And we're like, you know, I think there's a lot more to it than that. And a lot of people are starting to realize it's important to look at emotional intelligence. It's important to look at, you know, how well are they going to build a team? How, you know, how are they going to be as a um a team member and how are they going to work together so yeah appreciate what you're saying that's totally you know our language so what does a day in the life of a therapist look like so um i actually launched my private practice a week before we went into lockdown so i started with a virtual practice i now have a hybrid practice which means i often start my day seeing clients um virtually and then um, sometimes I might go into an office space that I rent. But usually what I find is, um, you know, I, I try not to have more than four sessions in a row. I feel a little fried. <laughs> um, and I also have to be cognizant if I'm going to promote self-care, I have to practice it. Um, so if I see my calendar starting to fill up, I put in blocks of do not book so that it can't be booked, which gives me some space to eat. Typically a day, I often start um, around 10-ish in terms of seeing clients. And some days I work 10 to five or six. Some days I work maybe a little later. I start at one. I work till eight. Um, but I'm typically in um, online or in-person meetings. Sometimes I'm doing um, 
some other support work where I might be connecting with other service providers in that person's life or just you know, I'm very much of the, let's do some practical work too. You're struggling to find a job. What, you know, what are the tools you're using to find a job? I love getting involved in that kind of stuff and taking some actionable steps as well. Um, and, and supporting them to learn about job search banks or whatever it may be connected to what they're doing. So most of my day is spent um, in my individual appointments um, where my clients are younger. Some of my clients in their teens, sometimes I connect with their parents. I do have some clients who um, maybe are followed by a psychiatrist as well. And every once in a while, the client will give me permission to connect with the, their psychiatrist to give them an update because the demand on psychiatry is so high that most psychiatrists can't spend a half an hour to an hour with a client. Right. Whereas I'm spending most of the time 45 minutes to an hour with my clients. So I'm gaining more information and doing you know a different type of work, but it's helpful um, you know, for, um, con uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Continuity of care to have the psychiatrist informed if they've got a school social worker or maybe another healthcare or other person who's support person involved, you know, the parties need to be connecting so that we're not repeating a bunch of stuff and leaving something undone or, you know, just kind of disconnected and not knowing what's going on. And then maybe not, you know, offering the full service that we can because there's some disjointedness. So sometimes I'm connecting with other service providers as well to make sure that the client's care is the best that we can offer. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Good for you. And by the way, you know, what you want to say is, oh, have you tried caring support to find your job? <laughs> there so, you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and understand that our focus, our niche is healthcare wellness. So it is social workers, it is, you know, nurses, PSWs, uh, but we're also adventured into the dental world. Um, it is pretty expansive, but again, focused on health and wellness. So, you know, a lot of times people struggle with job boards because they are going, yeah, there's just so many different industries. It's, uh, you know, I want to focus just in finding my next opportunity in healthcare because that's what they've been trained in or have experience in or maybe come out of school for or whatever it might be. So, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to put that in there. Okay. <laughs> no so, worries. Yeah. So what advice would you give to students, you know, are wanting to get into your field of work? Oh, they want to get in. Um, it's funny because I'm actually teaching at Centennial College um, right now. And so I'm interacting with students trying to enter into um, child and youth care, which is where I started before I registered as a social worker. And, you know, one of the things that I find both from working as a therapist and working with students is students put themselves under tremendous pressure to have their entire life figured out. And so they think that they've kind of got to have a 50 year plan. And, you know, I often encourage people, let's start there. And we are always figuring it out. Um, if you think about it like a GPS, you don't set a destination, get there and then stay there. When you get there, you decide to go somewhere else eventually, right? So in the same way, you might put a goal ahead of you, you might achieve that goal, but there's always something else that you might be working towards. So right. try to release that pressure to have it all figured out. Um, I also definitely encourage practicing self-reflection. Because if you're not understanding yourself, it's much harder to know what you're bringing to the work that you do, right? And it's a skill that you want to be teaching your clients as well. So if it's not a skill that you've really honed, it becomes harder to then emulate it, model it, and to explain it and, and encourage it to others. So I often encourage a lot of self-reflection because 
we really, it, you know, as in many fields, it's challenge, it can be challenging work and you want to know, um, kind of have a really good understanding of yourself in terms of what you can handle, what you can't handle, right? There's such a diversity of things that we can do in this field. So getting to know what areas you might want to pursue, right? How do you, how do you explore those things? What do you, what do you do in terms of trying to, to learn those areas and really have a good self-care practice? Because when you're in the field of pouring out, you sometimes forget that you also need to be poured into. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I always say to people that when you're a giver, you have to learn your limits because those who take don't have any. And, and, you know, and I don't mean that negatively because not everyone who's taking, they might need to be mentored. They might need help. They might need, but there'll come a point when you're like, wow, I feel so exhausted. And that's because you're not getting people that are giving back to you um 100 um and it's very true and by the way like every two weeks we do lunch and learns with schools because schools are part of what we involve in the platform and uh, uh you know if a student or even alumni can be tied to their own school and it's a fast easy way for them to not only share profiles no relationship required bang 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 when people see it they go oh my god this is such a great idea now having said that yeah, but when we do these lunch and learns, we not only show about our platform, but we talk about the top networking skills, the top interview skills. And, you know, you made me think of it on the interview skills because I always say to people, I says, you know, know who you really are at the core. In such a way that you can articulate that in a story that makes them, the people interview you, do this. Listen, and I guarantee you, I don't care if they interview 50 people that week, they'll remember you, right? But what is that message? What is that story? Like, how well do you really know yourself that you can articulate that confidently and really let them know that you're going to be a tremendous and valuable asset? But I totally agree with you. You have to learn, OK, this is the area that that not only am I passionate about, where I can really serve people well and make a difference in their lives. And as opposed to um, only, you know, or trying to be everything to everyone and just be exhausted half the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much knowledge of self is actually an employability skill and the ability to articulate what you do well, because we often worry about being conceited or arrogant. But I'm like, what job interview are you not asked what your strengths are? So yeah. you have to be in the the habit of knowing how to respond to that question. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes with, you know, being prepared and, you know, and I always tell that to people, don't sound scripted, but just if when you really know who you are, it's kind of like, you know, when people share stories that they're excited about, they say it in such a way where they're just flying by the scene and they go, oh my God, you know, and then people are like, just listening to that, right? So, and I think, imagine if that was about your life and, uh, and, and, and having that impact. So, you know, I think that's an important aspect um, that a lot of people just don't focus on. Question for you, what does a mental health crisis look like? So I just want to be specific. Are you talking about in terms of an, an individual or more like a societal mental health crisis? That's a great question. How about right now the pandemic's highlighted where? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Thank you for saying that. So I'll tell you what, maybe from a societal point of view, if you can sort of shed some light on that and then maybe get into the actual uh, a given person. OK, so. From a more like community based, like societal perspective, I think a mental health crisis, I think what we're seeing is 
there's individuals who are different having difficulties with mental health and part of the crisis is the inability to respond in a timely and appropriate fashion yeah right and a lot of that is still related to stigma there's still tremendous stigma within healthcare itself i worked for many years in hospitals and in emergency departments and i was called to assess people sometimes because they didn't you know they looked weird well that's not a mental health condition right like you're you can't um pathologize somebody for being eccentric but this is something that was happening within the healthcare system that i was working within that particular right. organization right um but what you often find and i know from you know sometimes working in the system is super stressful because you are trying to respond but you're limited so there's wait lists and the wait lists are it's how do you respond when people are in crisis when there's a wait list so there are services for crisis but then there's often a gap between the crisis response and then the longer term response and it's figuring out all those pieces figuring out at all the levels we need to respond so how do we support within the school system how do what do workplaces do to support their staff right one of the things that i'm hearing more and more is that managers and and coordinators are often in supervision feeling like they're more a counselor than they are doing the management piece and it's lovely that their heart is for that but that's not their role yeah and so what are what are the the ways that they can partner with you know organizations for either EAP or something else to support that because at the end of the day a lot of people are really having a lot of difficulty right and i think even in when we look at a like a societal mental health crisis i think that cause to me that should cause us to examine what are we doing in society why this many people are suffering with their mental health yeah no very interesting points of view so that kind of leads into the next question which basically says you know what things can you do to prevent your own uh you know mental health crisis so i think this is this goes back to a little bit about what i said about you know having a good sense of self and right. having an understanding of who you are um and you know i always i always laugh that i age myself with this but i go back to the tuner radios the older tuner radios right where there were the the little um slots and when you're turning it i said if you think about this there's static until you it line up and then you get clarity i often equate the self reflection and checking in with self like that because what we often do is we get up and we're like i have all these things to do i go 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 and at the end of the day we're not necessarily checking in with ourselves and it doesn't necessarily have to be a daily practice but what if we're not in the practice at all of saying how am i right now how how have i been doing with you know this crisis that i faced or this disruption to my normal routine or this you know extra stressful situation right cuz sometimes in the busyness of life we don't realize the impact that it's having and when we check in we often get a lot more clarity about you know what i'm not as okay as i thought maybe i'm more tired than i thought cuz we don't want to get to the point where um were shut down by sickness or something like that and that's telling us we're taught as children butterflies in your tummy mean you're nervous right. we're not necessarily taught that throughout our lives our bodies are probably giving us cues as to what's happening in our emotions right not every stomach upset is a stomach upset it could be telling you you're nervous it could be telling you you're stressed not every headache is a headache because of whatever the reasons we get headaches for sometimes that's an indicator that you're stressed 
So when it's not coming up, obviously, in your mind, sometimes your body's like, okay, I'm going to try and get your attention now and say, by the way, not everything's okay. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's if your sense. sleep changes, if your appetite changes, are you asking yourself why, if it's for any, you know, considerable length of time, are you asking yourself, why am I experiencing these changes? Yeah, so that kind of leads to the next question, then, and that is, you know, it, it, you're right. People need to really think about why are these things happening? Why am I having this problem, this problem? I think a lot of times we just think, oh, we're going we're gonna to get past this. It's a temporary thing. It's, it's the weather. It's, you know, whatever it is, maybe looking for excuses half the time. And maybe it's partly because we just don't want to have to deal with it or come to the reality of dealing with it. So what, what steps should someone that is experiencing, you know, mental health issues, what, what steps should they take to get the, the help, the treatment, et cetera, would you say? I think there's a few options. They can maybe talk to a GP or if they have um, a nurse practitioner that they're involved with, um, depending on what they are, you know, maybe they just don't even know where to start. So maybe having a conversation with them or if they know somebody else who's gotten mental health support, talking to that person about, you know, what steps did you take? It sounds a little, you know, simple, but what about a Google search? Mental supports in my area. Looking at what are my options? Is there an employee assistance program available through my workplace? Um, understanding, albeit that those are designed for shorter term responses, but it is a fast response. Um, do you have benefits that might cover social work, registered psychotherapist, psychologist to maybe get some therapy if you're thinking therapy is something that you can benefit from? There is, uh, there are things online where you can do kind of um, self-regulated modules where you can still get some information and then have kind of an asynchronous way of interacting with a therapist. So there's, there are lots of options out there. Part of it is just how do people know until they need to know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so being able to to tap into the resources that they have, like I said, maybe talking to their GP, maybe checking with somebody they know who's um, had, you know, mental support. If they know somebody who works in the field, I've had a lot of people just be like, can you, you know, answer a question if you're in, per, in a per, uh, parent forum on on Facebook or another kind of forum. I've been in many uh, groups on different social medias where people ask questions and I'm like, hey, DM me and we can set up a time to chat. So there, you know, there's lots of people out there are willing to give maybe a little bit more insight into what the mental health system looks like, how to get support, what the, um, the, the lanes are to kind of seek support. I know it can be overwhelming when somebody doesn't know, but that's part of why I say, Talk to somebody else about it, because if you're trying to figure it out all on your own, it may be too overwhelming. Yeah. And this is all good stuff. And this relates to, let's suppose it's me and I'm going, OK, what do I do? Well, this is good information to know. Now, when it comes to other people, your friends, your family and everything, and they know a person's some their loved one or someone they really like spending time with is struggling. You know, I know a lot of people, there's that fear of vulnerability. There's that, how do I have this conversation? How can I support them? How am I going to, you know, maybe I'm going to be rendered as a, a jerk or I'm going to say something that's rendered wrong. So, you know, how can you support someone that's going through these these issues should you know of it? Well, there's two aspects. There's the, you recognize something, but maybe they don't. Right. And so maybe you start a dialogue, um, not with a telling them what they what you know a lot of what you see but asking questions to and in that question you you would say you know I've seen some changes in you are you seeing changes in you 
Are there things happening with you that are concerning to you? If they're already able to acknowledge you, you know what? I'm not myself. There's some things going on. How can I support you? I may not be a mental health professional, but are you looking to get some support? Can I help you with seeking the support, right? Or maybe I, they can tell you, I know somebody who you can talk to to find out what some of the options are, right? Um, it, it can be challenging and people get fearful of uncomfortable conversations, but people aren't necessarily looking to then say everything that's going on with them. It's just really nice for somebody to say, I see you. I see that things aren't okay. Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere. Like the 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 relief in that alone is is so much that, you know, it's and maybe being honest, I I don't necessarily have the words um if you want to have a conversation, but I can listen, right? Maybe just being honest about that. I think people sometimes put so much pressure on themselves that they end up backing off but not realizing then on the other side the other person might feel more isolated because what if everybody's uncomfortable and backs off? Right. So just by being able to articulate, I'm still here, I'm going to be here. That might be really helpful. Yeah. I, I really like that. That's awesome. I, I, um, I have a friend who's going through some challenges and I detected this and then he kind of opened up to me. And so really it, it's just about giving people the space and the capacity to, to, to understand that they are going to be heard um that we're just going to sit without any judgment and just listen um the last thing i would ever say is something like you know oh can't you just get over it like the, yeah. really I mean, no yeah i mean and every one of us has been there at some point in time in our lives so this is really great natasha i mean these are kind of my questions i i, I had for you and uh this has been very amazing but let me ask something anything else that you'd want to share with us that that maybe you thought hey this might be a benefit or whatever anything at all well just in 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 the same idea of the the last part that we were talking about how other people can support people or what they can say keep in mind if you're witnessing somebody struggling with something that is not a struggle to you please do not minimize it because it's something you manage better you don't know how much is on their plate you, there's no rule that we should all manage every stressor the same way so right. don't minimize something because you either don't understand it or because you handled it well. Be able to support them to say, if this is hard for you, then this is hard for you. Yeah. And and, and don't, because I mean, that just becomes, you know, people walk away with such feelings of then, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I handle this? Yeah. Our threshold it, changes day to day. Yeah. It's to me, it's like a, a almost a conversation related to empathy because I tell people, you know, when you're working with somebody, the last thing you should do is saying, oh, yeah, I had this problem. Whatever. You know what, man, it, 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 it's it's making people feel like their problem is not really being heard and you're not giving them that opportunity for, the, for you to just try to understand what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I and I feel like that's a case of, of the old adage that says we often have, you know, we listen to reply rather than listen to understand. Yeah. And you know i always tell people that one of my favorite lines when you really don't know and and whatever and and not get people's back up is to lead with help me understand why you feel this way or whatever because very often you're right and i think of robin williams robin williams made everyone else feel great and then you know killing himself i'm like you know what the, i bet you the warning signs were there the question is, is anybody really really 
say anything? Do they take up on it? Or are they just, this guy's the entertainment center for everybody, right? So I think that's really a shame because we often lose great people and then think, you know, oh, what happened? I don't get it. You know, no, I bet you the warning signs were there. We didn't want to do it or we're not paying attention or we're not, you know, we're caught up in our own worlds or whatever it is. So this is why awareness and mindfulness is so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. And Natasha, this has been really great. Uh, you have a lovely attitude and demeanor, and, and this is very valuable information. And mental health, uh, it more than ever, is a huge issue right now. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. And the pandemic really just, I think really in general, it just ripped the Band-Aid off of so many things where it's the healthcare system or anything and said, hey, here it is for what it's worth. You know, no sense hiding it now because it's now in the open, right? Um, that hopefully will have some good things because I say to people, it's how we respond or react to it is the biggest difference, right? Yeah. So, all right, Natasha, thank you so much for being on our podcast this week. Loved it. Uh, it's really great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be. It was our pleasure.